The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Okay, hey, this is one of those sermons that... um yeah, just studying this week, I kept getting more and more excited to get here today and share it with you because it's something that God has used powerfully in my life through the week. So I want to kind of explain that to you a little bit. We've been going through a series. We called it Welcome to Bedrock, kind of our base uh, beliefs as far as what uh, the Bible teaches around here and what we want to be the be the foundation of our church, uh, the base beliefs there. So, uh, so what is it that we believe? Well, if you go to our website at community.church.org, Edwardsburg.church. Uh, anyway, just put in Community Church of Edwardsburg. You'll find it. Uh, you will find, wait, I think you have to go to I'm new here, and then you go to We Believe. There you go. Here we are. We believe. All right. So we talked about the idea. The first thing on there was we believe uh, what we believe about the Bible, and we didn't really take a Sunday morning and focus on that. Again, I operated on the assumption that most of the folks coming, I'm sure not all, but most of you have already decided I believe the Bible, and that's why you're here, because you want to hear it taught. We did take two weeks, though, on the next section, which is what we believe about God. Now, two weeks not an exhaustive study of God, you might uh, conclude. But we did get a good look at Paul's sermon from Acts chapter 17, and we got a good uh, time last week of looking at that that question that comes up. Wait a minute, you said that God is good, good, oh yeah. Sometimes we even sing that. Uh, and yet, why do these bad things sometimes happen in our lives? So we got to look at that some. Now, the third section of we believe is what we believe about the nature of man. What do we believe about man? And I thought I'd start. Now, stay with me. I'm not just going to, you just yawned, okay? <laughs> per- terrible timing. Uh, but I'm going to start by reading what the website says. Now, that might not seem like the most exciting way to start, so stay with me uh, as we go through this. Uh, here's what it says it says, We believe that man was created by God in his own image. Let me stop there just for a second on something that is not the sermon today. The sermon's going to be from our text down here. But uh, this is so crucial. I wish we could get back to telling people that they were created by God in his image. You know, there's such an emphasis on trying to give people a good concept of themselves. You know, we want you to feel better about yourself and think better. Did you know that you're an accident? Uh, You're a product of millions and millions of years of freak mutations that have happened to different beings, and here you are. How about if instead we actually taught them that you are a unique creation by God? And as I I was looking at this this week, I thought... (laughs) Here's a profound thing for a pastor to say. I don't know where we got this. Um, but we, uh, it, it came, I think, before my time, and it was you know, on the statement. And I, I got looking at some other churches and what they had to say in their statements, and I found that whatever this is, wherever this is from, this is very commonly used. I found two other churches that use it word for word. So somewhere we were not original in what we created there, but it has been an adoptive belief on what we believe about man. What's that? <laughs> they copied from us. Yes, I'm sure that's it. Uh, let's find out what Dan Thomas thinks. No, uh, has never been said. Okay, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I did want to mention this while we're on this because we're talking about what we believe a little bit and, and just our identity in that. So I did want to say one of the churches has added in there, we believe that man was created by God 
male and female in his own image. And I, could, I, I just want to say that is also something that we believe the Bible teaches very clearly. Again, not where we're going with the message today, uh, but I wanted you to know that. Uh, and uh, however... His own, uh, by willful disobedience, he fell from his high and lofty state. As a result, all mankind are sinners and by nature completely void of the righteousness required by God. Very important phrase, the righteousness required by God. We might have some good things we do. We might have some of our own righteousness. But I love the illustration uh, from a missions trip I was on one time where we had some kids walk up to the counter. Uh, I believe it was in Jamaica. They walked up to the counter, and big sign on the counter said at McDonald's said, we do not accept U.S. currency. So sure enough, one kid walks up there with a $5 bill and tries to buy, <laughs> buy it. And another kid decided to be helpful, so he pulled out a 20 uh, you know, I got this. They said, we can't take your $5 bill. And the other kid says, oh, no problem. I got this. And he pulls out a 20. Did you see the sign? Your currency is no good here. It does not matter how much you have. Uh, if it says USA, it's not good here. Do you understand that? Well, this says the righteousness required by God. We can take all the righteousness that we accumulate on our own, and God's going to say, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, so anyway, we are void of righteousness required by God. We are inclined to do evil, and therefore under just condemnation to evil punishment without defense or without dispute. Excuse. Now, I want to go ahead and start into our passage and uh, tell you a little bit about uh, my journey this week as I went through this passage. Therefore, okay, uh, where are we? We're in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. For indeed, sin was in this world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though uh, even the over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Now, I want to come back to this for a second, but to be honest with you, just a transparent moment here, uh, I didn't leave here in a great place last week, so on Sunday morning. I, don't, I, don't, I was just kind of, in fact, it was so bad, I didn't even want to watch football. Um, I, uh, but I, I, I was just like, man, it's a beautiful day, and I, I took a couple walks last Sunday afternoon. I wasn't in, in a great place, just in my thinking, and partly, to be honest with you, I have developed an incredible hatred for death. And uh, I just have, I, I just, it, it just, I, I really, I really hate it. And so I sat down on Monday morning then and still not in a wonderful place. And I opened up to our text. And the first thing I want to do is read through it. And I read through this much of it and look, we got death and we got death and we got death. And I thought, God, I can't do it. And uh, I'm not a desk worker, I'm a lap worker, so I had a couple of different uh, books on my lap and a notebook and everything like that, and I just set them aside, and I said, God, I know, you know, somehow I felt like we were to go through this series on, on what we believe, but uh, could we postpone this? <laughs> I really don't even want to read anymore. I am tired of thinking about, talking about uh, anything that has to do with death, and I got, you know, I just kind of sat there for a while, just like, you know, what was me having a little pity party for myself and thinking I don't want to go there. And I literally prayed to God and said, God, can we go a different direction? What do you think? How about, you know, how about it? Sir, joy. How about we look at Philippians uh, and talk about the joy of the Lord is my strength or something like that. And I really wanted to go there. And this next thing I'm going to say, I want to be careful. I don't 
like to lead you into thinking I'm any weirder, weirder than what I am. It was as though God said to me, I want to say that. I didn't hear a voice, okay, I, I, or anything like that, but it was as though God said to me, read on. And uh, so I did. And then I got to the next verse, and it says, okay, yes, death reigned, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if in many die through one man's trespass, much more. I love that, much more. Okay, I don't know how you get much more. I think the mortality rate of uh, the human race is pretty close to 100%. But uh, what, but much more have, and here we go, the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of this one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So in one person, yes, sin passed all men, but now in this one, per, uh, this other person, Jesus Christ, look what we have, the grace of God. And that free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following the one man's trespasses brought condemnation. But this free gift, what is it going to bring? Justification. Okay? And these words are lighting up to me. Again, not literally. Uh, but I thought, man, that's what I need to see. I got so focused on that beginning, and I, I started reading through that. And I read on, and it says, for if because of one man's trespass, that's, that's rent. <laughs> I read it better in my, in my head. Uh, through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Okay, no longer death is reigning, but we're going to reign in life. How? Through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life of all men. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And honestly, this, this is why I say to you, I have the best job in the world, and I wish for some reason, uh, there, there was a, I wish I could give it all to you. <laughs> Delegation, no. Um, but what I mean by that is, look what I got to do on Monday morning, okay? To be very honest with you, I wasn't in a good place of mind, but my job required me to sit down and read the Bible, my job required me to get in the, and get into God's truth some, and I wish you were required to do that. You know, got to make the donut. Hey, here it is. And it's, it's like as I sat there, I thought, oh, this is amazing, God. I love what this says. I love the truth of this. I love this change from the reign of death to now the reign of life that has come through Jesus Christ. I got so excited about that. Now, I want to um, dive into this idea a little bit of, and go back a little bit to the reign of death and see what we got there, but, uh, but much more we'll move into this new life, this new reign, the reign now of justification, the reign of righteousness, the reign of grace in our lives. I, every week I try to put something in here that makes you think I'm more intelligent than what I am, so I thought I'd come up with a big term here, okay? Federal theology. Amen? Uh, okay, but uh, look this up a little bit, and a big part of what is called federal theology is this idea of representation. Now, what I mean by that is we are all represented in Adam's sin, okay, that, that idea. Um, there is also in this idea of federal theology is the idea that you think of, okay, we are individuals before God, and yet we are also part of the human race. Okay, we are also part of this fallen race of Adam. So uh, as, as we look at that, a couple of ideas, you know, cross my mind. And the first and probably most important is, is your identity linked to sinful Adam or righteous Jesus? 
I was sitting back there looking at the slides this morning, and I thought, this is a terrible thing to put up there, sinful Adam. Uh, in fact, it'll go against everything. If you don't know, our, the man who led worship today is named Adam. And, uh, you know, we don't want to give him a nickname or anything like, hey, is that you? Uh, sinful Adam reminds me, uh, I've told this story before, I think it's supposed to be true, of the Little League baseball team in Pennsylvania that was having morale problems. And uh, the, they were sponsored by a local garbage company that was called Total Waste. Uh, you know, so they're all playing you know, out there in total waste. Uh, they, they, they just didn't do that, that great with it. I, I don't want to in any way label that. In fact, like I said, we're going to go in a totally different direction with all of us. But are we linked to the sin of this one man? Are we still under the reign of death? Or have we found the reign of life through Jesus Christ and his righteousness? That's, the, that's really the key question that we get into here. Now, you may not like this idea. Uh, what I mean, I mean, does that grate against you a little bit? I don't like the idea that I am a sinner because of Adam. You know, why, you know I didn't, if, I, if I didn't do it, you know, why uh, is that how it happened that uh, you know, sin passed upon all men? I'm not crazy about that. The Bible says that I was uh, brought forth, uh, David uh, said in Psalm 51, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. I, d- I don't like that. Now, we, we can understand that some, right, that we are born sinners, but we might not like it. Now, I think we understand it. Francis and I have gotten to have a lot of uh, pop and Gigi time uh, this summer, and we, we've got some more coming up. And uh, we love our grandchildren dearly, but nobody has to convince us that they have a sinful nature. <laughs> okay, nobody has to tell us that. When uh, our little granddaughter Phoebe was coming, that we heard that she liked applesauce. So Francis goes to Costco and buys this giant box of these little pack- packages or, or uh, cup. No. No, that's the problem right there. Uh, she bought the little cup things. And she, uh, so, you know, Phoebe wants an applesauce, and we give her a little cup thing. And she throws a hissy fit because it's not the squeezy kind. Uh, and, you know, now I'm pretty sure that Travis and Hannah never, never had to sit down and say, Phoebe, here's how you throw a fit. When you don't get your way, uh, I don't think they had to teach her that. I'm pretty sure that they didn't. I watched my grandson. He has this one favorite toy he likes. It's a, it's a lawnmower that blows bubbles. Man, when he gets his hands on that, he will not let it go for anything. He's eating lunch, you know, with one hand on it. Uh, nobody had to tell him, uh, Easton, sharing is bad. Uh, you don't, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he already figured out that sharing was bad. He didn't like that because it has his nature. And I think we understand, even in this, nobody has to do my sinning for me. I don't have to count on anybody else to do my sinning. I know how to do it. There are very few people who would claim they have never sinned. Now, I'm going to venture into a little bit dangerous ground here in that I always figure I don't want to say anything stupid to offend anybody or off subject. Like, I don't, I try not to make fun of football teams I hate uh, because I don't want some guy sitting there thinking, well, I can't listen to him. <laughs> if he doesn't love my team, you say, would guys be that childish? Yes, they would. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, so I, I try to be real careful and that's why sometimes, you know, but I'm going to use a Donald Trump illustration here for a second here. Stay with me. Uh, stay with me. I wish I could do this in his voice because I heard him interviewed. Actually, I don't know when the interview was from, but I just heard it recently, and somebody was asking him, they said, hey, Christianity, one of the big elements of that is repentance and turning to Christ. And, uh, and they said, and it wasn't like a facetious reporter or anything like that, but they said, have you ever repented? And if you can imagine uh, Donald Trump in his voice here for a second, I can't do it, I'm sorry. But he said, he stopped, and he said, uh, uh, well, 
what I like to try to do is do the right thing to begin with, and then you don't have to repent. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, he went, and he went through and explained how he basically always does the right thing, so he doesn't have to repent. Uh, and, uh, you know, sorry, Donald, wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know how, to, how else to say that. We all recognize this, but yet it may not sit all that well with us that by one man's sin, we all became sinners, but... Like I said, do we want to go it on our own? Do we think we're righteously or not? We may not love this, but what we should love is the idea that this reign of life replaces the reign of death. Hopefully we saw that so clearly in there. And this is what I want to talk about, what Scripture says there, what Paul wrote. He says, now, we got some new words here. Let's, let's, uh, we're covering up that death that was in those first couple verses, or we're changing that completely. And he has words like grace. And he has words like justification. Okay, so now we are going to be justified. We are going to be made right through this one man. And I want to talk about that because as much as I want us to understand, yes, we have this identity in Adam that we are born with of a sinful person. We also can have a new identity in Jesus Christ, which is one of being justified. And that's the life we want to live in. That's how we want to walk in this reign of life. Uh, that's, how, that's how we want to live. So we're going to... I'm going to fire a bunch of verses at you for a few minutes just to look a little bit about how this justification takes place and what this justification is because now we have a new king. Uh, death has been defeated and the king is alive. We ought to sing that sometime, but here we go. Uh, so we're going to look at the how of justification. First uh, place I looked is Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, and it says, uh, and are justified by the grace as a gift. Okay, it is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. That means he's the one that's completely satisfied the wrath of somebody who has been wrong. Let me say that again. That's what that word propitiation means. He has completely satisfied the wrath of somebody else who has been wrong. How did he satisfy it? By his blood, by his death. And, we, and that is to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because it is divine forbearance that he has passed over our former sins. Now, hold on for a second here. Last week, we looked at uh, Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 is the verse that we look at that says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Once again, somebody should have said, Dan, read on. Yes, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but are now justified, how? By grace, by the gift of grace. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Wait a minute, we're in the family. We have an inheritance now. Can you earn your inheritance? Not in most families. That's just something that you have because you're part of his family. And by grace, we have become heirs into his family. We have that hope of eternal life. He's brought us into that. That's what this new life is all about. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Okay? We're, we're saved by faith in him. Okay? We are redeemed. We are justified. We're made right with God by, by faith in him. Now, how about the what? Of, okay, what happens in this justification process? What changes in our lives? Here you go. Just as David speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works, let me say this, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are what? Forgiven. So that describes us now. Whose sins are what? 
Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. Okay, this is what happens when we are justified. This is where we stand now before him. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Bible says very plainly that those who are without Christ, those who are in that sinful state that we talked about to begin with, are actually at enmity with God, the Bible says. In other words, we're on the wrong side. We're his enemy. We don't have peace. There's not peace in that relationship at all. But once we have Jesus Christ and we have placed our faith in him, now we have been justified. We have been declared righteousness. More than declared, we have been made righteous, and now we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Since, therefore, we now have been justified by his blood, much more we shall be saved from wrath. That's another thing that's happened to us, being justified. And there is now, therefore, no condemnation. Remember that verse we looked at a few weeks ago about how he ever lives to make intercession for us? There's no condemnation. But I'd like to bring up this. Sorry, you can't. I've got an in, one interceding for me by the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what he says about me? Because I put my faith in him, I've trusted in him, there's no condemnation. You got nothing, accuser. You got nothing. And here's what I think is my favorite verse in this whole section. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us this is what happens when we're justified. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus takes our sin upon him. And look at this. So in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Folks, digest that for a minute. I wrote that, another big word there for you, imputation, but it's that idea that God puts the, uh, his righteousness, he makes us righteous uh, through Jesus Christ. So, you, you know, so we begin and we find out, okay, what is true of man? Yes, indeed, man uh, is fallen, has a fallen nature, and man is there born in sin like that. But through Jesus Christ and through faith in him, we become the righteousness of God. May I remind you, God does deal in reality. Now, what I want us to think about with that is this. You, know, you might have a grandparent that they look at their, uh, again, not us, but they look at their grandchildren and they never see wrong. They just pretend like it's not there. Uh, our kids had two completely different grandmothers. Uh, my uh, her mother was one of those, oh, she didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> For some reason, our daughter is the first grandchild. She was the golden child. You know, she never did anything wrong. You can't punish her. She never did anything wrong. Uh, that type of thing. My mother, on the other hand, had a notebook full of everything they did wrong. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go, uh, like that. But sometimes when we think about this idea that God sees us as righteous, we think that somehow God has just chosen not to look at the bad. No, God deals in reality. If God sees you as righteous, guess what you are? Righteous through Jesus Christ. And if you see yourself differently than God sees you, guess what? He is the one that is right. If God says, I have made you righteous, I have cleaned you up, I have forgiven your sin, guess what? You are are now righteous. And this is the reality that comes with that. You know, if, uh, if you ask me, you know, how I describe myself and I said something like, well, I'm just, a, I'm just a sinner, saved sinner, saved by grace. That is true. And there's nothing wrong with me saying that. But you know what would also be true? What if you said to me, hey, how you doing? And I said, I am righteous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, you'd probably say, there's something wrong with that guy. He's got too high opinion of himself. And I would understand you saying that. But yet, at the same time, I'm speaking the truth. 
And I've said that before. I love the fact that I can stand. When we sing, God has made me righteous, I love to be able to sing that because there's an accuser that wants to tell me all the time, that ain't you. You're not righteous. you got problems all over the place. And I can say, wait a minute. I have this intercede, the one interceding for me. I have this one who said there's no condemnation, so you can shut your old trap, buddy, because I am righteous. And I love to be able to say that. And when God says that I am righteous, he's right. Now, I decided to bring out my uh, slinky here. Haven't you? I've used this illustration, I think, one other time. I want to use it again. All day long I've been walking around with it, and yet still... It's, I haven't bent it. Aren't you impressed? Uh, in fact, Andrew and I had a tug of war with it, and he thought it was pretty fun to let go of his end uh, and let it snap back. Um, I don't have much in my office. I'm kind of a minimalist as far as that goes, but on the shelf, I do keep a slinky. And uh, here's what it reminds me of, okay? You have had slinkies, or those of you that have had slinkies, you know what happens to a slinky before very long. Somewhere in it, it gets a bend, right? It gets a kink. I'm not going to do it because it just costs like seven bucks an hour or something like that. Uh, but it gets that, that kink in it a bend. Have you ever tried to repair that slinky? I mean, you get your pliers out, your two pairs of pliers. I think I can do this. You never will, right? It's always going to have that bend in it. I think a lot of times, and, and I'll explain how this connects to what I'm saying in a second here, but I, I think a lot of times we think that Christian life is about us trying to correct the, the bends and the messes in our life. In other words, we're going to kind of force ourselves back into being right, stuff like that. And what I found is I was never going to fix the old slinky. You know what I needed to do? I needed to go out and buy a brand new slinky. So I have it. And here's what God says. You are never going to fix yourself, but I want to make a whole new, brand new you. That's what he wants to do in our lives. That's what he does in Jesus Christ. He says, that old reign that death and sin have, uh, I've got something new for you. I have now the reign of life, the reign of grace, the reign of righteousness in your life. I have justification to offer you uh, in Jesus Christ. So what does it look like then to live this justified life. And I want to show you a few things Scripture has to say, uh, just again, kind of quickly about that, what it talks about, what this new life in Christ looks like. Uh, in Romans, again, chapter 6, it says, Let therefore, because of what God has done, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought. Here you go. We've been brought from death to life. And now your members to, and present your members to God as now instruments of righteousness. So God is now making us into instruments of righteousness. Do not, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom God, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for we are bought with a price. So here's what we are to do now that He's he, that He has done this new thing. We are to glorify God in our bodies. And to Titus, he, uh, Paul wrote and said, for the grace of God is appear, bringing salvation to all. Here's what that is doing now. It is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion, to live self-controlled, upright. There's a process going on here. Now we're to live godly lives in this present age. You know what else we're doing? We are waiting for the blessed hope. Uh, I'm waiting for the blessed hope for sure. I'm waiting for that time when I'm not battling sin anymore. I'm waiting for that time uh, when the evidence of curse of sin is not around us anymore. But the I'm awaiting, when's that coming? The appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all this lawlessness. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous of 
good works. But I want to take and, and talk to you just a little bit about, okay, that, that's, that's great. Okay, here's what God wants to be doing. Here's how this new life is to be lived out in us. But again, help us understand here a little bit exactly what does this look like. Who you be, okay? So what is it that we believe about man? First of all, we do believe that man is a creation of God. And as I mentioned before, I would love it if we could actually teach people that. Okay, mom and dad always told me I was an accident. <laughs> Where was child psychology when I was a kid? Uh, you know, they're not supposed to say that, are they? Uh, my uh, brother and sister are six and eight years older than me, and, you know, my middle name is actually, oops. No, it's not. Um, but uh, but they, they did. They told me that all the time. You're just an accident. And uh, when we have our identity uh, from the truth of God's word, we understand that we are not. Read Psalm 139. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, God formed me in my mother's womb. Okay, I am not that at all. Man, what a great place to start. However, I do have this fallen nature in me. In Adam, in Adam's sin, all of us became sinners. Okay, now what, I, I know that. So here's, here's one thing that I am not going, I, I, it's going to help me become not entitled, but grateful. Forever grateful for this grace of God. Okay, forever grave, great grateful for what he has done for me. Look how that changes how I live. I'm loved, okay? Romans 5, 8 says that uh, God commended, God sent his God love, God showed, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it is not in any way based on my, my good works or anything like that. It's while I was still a sinner, God said, I'm going to send my son. Uh, I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. I know that I am loved. What a great way to go through life is truly believing that you are loved. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? You know, to, to know that. My friends and I were having a weird conversation. We have weird conversations. And we were like, who doesn't like you? I don't know who doesn't like you. But you ever think about when somebody doesn't like you, that you have a hard time liking them? I don't know why we're like that. Now, of course, uh, we have, we have our, there's one lady that really doesn't like my wife. She's not in a church. Unless, don't raise your hand if you're, uh, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I don't. But, um, but, you know, my list is uh, like that. But, um, but, you know, it, it really is hard. It is so great to live life knowing that we're loved, God, that God sent his love even though I was a sinner. And, and just also remember, and we're going to explore this more next week because our next section on what we believe is what we believe about salvation. But what we are now is reborn. We're not trying to remold an old broken life. I tried to find, you know, some uh, words to describe, you know, what happens. And I got with like refurbish and recondition life and everything like that. But none of them were good enough because what God does, again, is he gives us a whole new life. It's not just brushing over the old stuff and cleaning us up. He said, I want to give you a new life. I'm going to give you a life in me that is so much more valuable. Now, but I want you to think about th these things that we've talked about. Well, you know, why does this apply to our life? Why is it significant? Well, it's, okay, good. I know this about myself. I never want our church, I never want any church to be a type of church where what we do is we come in and I give you a list of do's and don'ts, you know, and people want to say, pastor, is this a sin? Pastor, is this a sin? You know, and, and uh, well, put the list up on that. Here's what you're allowed to do. Here's what you're not allowed to do. Let's put it on the website. Instead of what we believe, we'll say allowed, not allowed. Uh, I never want to go there. Because it just, uh, it leads to, at best, self-righteousness. At best, if, if people can actually follow it, it doesn't last long, and it's very frust 
frustrating when my Christian life is just all about what I do and what I don't do. What our Christian life is about is this new life that is lived out through us. And it is so important that we that we get a hold of this, that we understand this identity that I have in him, you know, that we're not walking around with a shirt that uh, we're thinking total waste or anything like that or I'm useless. I'm not walking around thinking God's unhappy with me all the time. Uh, But I understand that, yes, uh, first of all, I'm a unique creation of God made in his image. Okay, because of sin, I fell into sin, but here's what God did. He loved me so much that he's redeemed me, and he said, I'm going to give you a whole new life. And I walk, and I begin to to learn to live in that identity. This is so much better. Honestly, this is so much better than, Pastor, is this a sin? Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, I want to make sure that I'm dotting the I's and crossing the T's and everything like that and behaving the way I'm supposed to. It is so much better to begin to live our life and say, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. That's not who I am anymore. It is so much better to have that approach. We have this white knuckle, uh, you know, red face mentality that somehow we're going to take our lives and we're going to bend that slinky back into shape and we're going to make ourselves better and we're going to try harder. And my only question with that is, how's that working out for you? Okay. How long have you been trying that and it doesn't work? What we need to do instead is focus on this relationship with Jesus Christ. For he has, in the person of his son, said, trust in me. If you, if you trust in me, if you turn from sin to me, if you ask for forgiveness of sin. Now, that first part is so important, folks, because we need to remember that, that there is a need for a Savior, the nature of man. He needs a Savior. That's his nature. But Jesus said when you have Jesus Christ as Savior, when you've trusted him, I want to put a whole new life in you, okay? I don't want you just struggling, you know, the same way that you always did and, and try, trying, to, trying a little bit harder. I want to give you a whole new way to live. No longer under the reign of death, but now, think about those words, now under the, the reign of grace. God has given us what we don't deserve. Now under the reign of life. I love that, with the hope of eternal life in there. I love that. Now, with justification, where I can honestly say, I'm righteous. Okay? I I hope that's not offensive to you. I hope you can say the same thing. I am righteous. It's not because of me. It's because I've trusted in Jesus Christ. And he said, I took your sin. Here's what I'm giving you. Righteousness. I'm going to give you that. We're going to sing again. I forget what we're going to sing. Which one? Huh? You forgot to? Okay. We're just going to make this up. Um, but uh, see, Adam's still offended about his new nickname. No, no, please. Please do not use that. Very, har- very harmful. And it, and it is. It's very harmful for me to label myself as just, you know, oh, son of Adam, wicked son of Adam, when Christ has changed that. Now, My prayer, first of all, is that Christ indeed has changed that in your life and that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But uh, what are we singing? Remind me. Raise a hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, and and once again, uh, yeah, uh, heaven comes to fight for me. We sing about that victory that we have in him. So that'd be pretty awesome. Let's stand and sing. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, 
info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.